It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello, everybody. Welcome to your midweek edition of Afternoons with Staffy, myself, and Brad Lewis once again in the producer's chair, but fans of Running It Straight, fear not, Sammy's just arrived in the building and Running It Straight with Sam and Kempi will be two till three, and then the wonderful Run Home crew. Uh, without Brad Lewis, although I think he's going to make a cameo, um, that will run from three till six. We're just going to interrupt our normal broadcast um, of our Rugby World Cup headline hour, which we will get to. Uh, but it is on the back of the very, very sad news that one of New Zealand's greatest ever sportsmen, and I don't say that lightly, Jason Wynyard sadly passed away um, overnight last night, age 49. Um, tremendous man. Um, so we're just going to pay tribute to him at the top of the show now. And we're, we're going to commence with a social media post where he talked about his battles and his diagnosis. And this was posted just two weeks ago. On August the 18th, um, we were partway through the fourth cycle of chemo, uh, just starting the fourth cycle. And um, unfortunately, the cancer had come back. Um, during the middle of treatment and um, so the doctors, we sat down with the doctors, Sharon and I, and um, it's pretty rough news. They sort of said they couldn't do anything else for me. They only gave me like two weeks um, survival time and um, it's been over four weeks now and um, I'm still going, still fighting and um, I think anytime there's there's still life, there's still hope. You know, as long as you can keep looking for the answers. And um, we decided to look at alternative routes to to heal. And um, yeah, so we've done several things. We've got a ox- hyperbaric oxygen chamber. Um, we're doing rife rife treatment, which is frequency healing. And I think those two things um, have been the main reason that I can continue to, um, to operate like this. When we got the news, it was um, pretty unexpected. It was sort of like we thought we'd sit down with the doctor and there would be a 1% chance or something that he'd say something like, they can't do anything else for you. So it was a bit of a shock and took probably a couple of weeks to get over things. but. Um, I made the decision that, you know, I was going to fight it and and um, Sharon's been 100% supportive there and, and yeah, I think we can find a way through this, so as long as I um, keep, keep fighting and, um, yeah, and I keep these treatments going, just focus on that and um, I think that's kind of been most of my life really, you know like setting goals and doing whatever is necessary to achieve the, those goals. So, yeah, I guess no matter what it is, you just have to 
you know, set, set the goal where you want to be and then work back from there, put everything in place to, to get to where you want to be and keep your head in the game and keep fighting. And uh, so that's my attitude with this and I'll do whatever's necessary to get through this. Um, I've had so much support around me as well. I've had people um, coming to, you know, help me and offer offer different advice with different treatments, and it's been pretty overwhelming. Um, and just want to say thanks to everyone who's helped and everyone who's posted messages, and um, it's been yeah, it's been really awesome to receive those messages. Yeah, so all those words of hope and encouragement that you know everyone's been sending me is um is what keeps me going and keeps me fighting and it's really much appreciated thank you jason when you he threw everything at it like he did in his whole life over a hundred world titles think about that for a minute a hundred world titles from kawakawa uh, affiliates to ngati maniopoto and ngapuhi iwi uh, went to Waitakere College. He won the individual world championship nine times. He's got the world record for the single buck, which is a sore with an assistant under 10 seconds. He got that in 2007. He won the Still Timber Sports Series, which is the marquee event on Timber Sports calendar. He won it 14 times across a span of 20 years. In 2017, New Year's Honours, he was appointed member of the New Zealand Order of Merit. Um, and he's the father of well-known basketballer Ty Wynyard, and it was in May he was diagnosed with Burkitt lymphoma. He's endured aggressive treatment. Every piece I've seen on him, he's been smiling, and as he mentioned, in August he was told two weeks, and he got two months, which is testament to the great fight in the man. Um... As I say, I, I was lucky enough to meet him once and I've never forgotten that meeting as he strode into the studios here. A, a big frame, a big personality and a huge presence. And I remember at the end of that hour in studio, I walked out and I walked back into the studio and said to the staff, what a man, just humble with all of those achievements. He was so grounded and quiet. Those huge giants have, have massive effects on me. So it's almost a year to the day. He was sitting two metres to my right here as we talked about his career. So we thought we'd just play a little snippet as he was about to go off to the Worlds after three years of not competing due to COVID restrictions, etc. And just a little snippet into the man, Jason Wynyard. Different equipment. What does your, you know, golfers have 14 clubs. What's your competitive axe rack look like? Uh, I've got a roughly 80 different axes. Um, wow. For this competition over in Sweden, I'll take roughly 16 axes um, of various sizes and uh, slightly different degrees on the bevel um, and also different grinds. So you never know what quite is going to work in the timber when you go to any of these championships so you have to take a wide selection and also there's always a chance of equipment getting damaged on the trip over so um, I'll send three crosscut saws, uh, my big modified chainsaw and then 
like 16 axes to try and cover the bases. Wow, amazing. And is it is it a two-piece component like the, what do you call it, the bevel and, and then the, the handle? Are there two separate components that you put together or do you just have a complete axe already set up? Oh, the axes are, will be set up like the handle. The handle takes quite a lot of work. You, you fit the handles to suit your grip and then, of course, you fit like the length of the handle suits your personal swing and generally your body body size. Um, and then also you adjust the, the weight of the head to, to suit what you what you can manage to swing, basically. Generally, you have heavier axes for softer wood than you do for harder wood. So, so the hardwood takes a lot longer. So, you know, world records are held with softwood. Would that be fair to say? Yeah. Um, there's a world record in, in every class of wood for different diameters of, of the event that you're competing in. So there's, there's a lot of different world titles that you can compete for. And there's also a lot of different species of, of timber that you can c- compete um, to win a world title in as well. So makes it a little bit confusing. Much like boxing with all the different um, world titles, there's, yeah. uh, wood chopping is probably 10 times worse because there's so many different species and sizes of, um, of wood for that particular event. So, At the top of the sport, which you've been for a long time, is it the same? You'll go to these world champs and you'll know them all. Pretty much. The funny thing is, um, a, a lot of the younger ones coming up, I, I used to compete against their fathers. So, <laughs> um, I've been in it in it for that long, but it, it's yeah, I do know them all. Um, I know, like all the national representatives have been selected at this stage, so I, I have competed against um, all of them that are that are in this year's championship. So, um, wood chopping is a great sport because. Um, you know, you're, you're all mates until you get out to compete and then um, it's really serious business when, when, you, when you're actually out there chopping and sawing. But um, everyone generally gets on really well. It's a good bunch of people involved in the sport, so um, there's a good camaraderie and I think I've been in it for that long that I get shown a lot of respect and it's pretty cool to sort of come through from being the youngest in the New Zealand team and now... I'm probably going to be one of the oldest competitors in in the world championship this year, so it's it's pretty good to sort of come through the ranks and and see the changes and and get the respect that um, that's given now. So you have to excuse my ignorance, but that's why we've got Jim to answer my ignorant questions. Um, so this world championships, you're representing New Zealand. Are you part of a team? Um, who else is in the team? Yeah, this is um, this will be a two day competition. So starting on the twenty eighth. Um, there's a world relay competition, so 30 countries involved, um, and we've got a six-man squad that we're taking over from New Zealand. Um, I'm part of that NZ team. There's Adam Lowe, Shane Jordan, Jack Jordan, Nathan McDonald, and we're taking over the late David Bolstad's son. Wow. Um, he was our rookie, one of our rookie representatives, so we're taking him over with the team as well. So uh, there's a good contingent going over. Uh, we've got a manager travelling with us, Anthony Mildren, and um, we're hoping to take that world relay title and back it up with the individual world championship the next day. So this second day is, um, which will be the 29th, will be the individual world championship. So that that's the one I'll represent New Zealand in. Yep, one of my favourite interviews, and it's even more important now um, he we sadly missed 
a colossus in New Zealand sport to his community. Uh, this will rock the timber sports world. Um, he'll be fondly remembered worldwide, and I just feel so privileged to have spent uh, an hour in his presence. E te rangatira e Jason Takoto Marakekoe. This is the Rugby World Cup Headline Hour on Afternoons with Staffy. Yes, with the All Blacks uh, looming to be playing tomorrow morning, isn't it? Um, no, Friday morning, sorry. Uh, utility Damien McKenzie will start at fullback in the All Blacks final World Cup pool game against Uruguay. And Captain Sam Kane, as expected, named for his first start of the tournament in France. Uh, with the quarterfinal spot still not secure, Coach Foster's reshuffled uh, shuffled his lineup, inserting replacement Ethan Black out of Yoohoo into his first World Cup appearance. And he's resting several frontline performers. Only six players have retained their spots from the big win over Italy. Front rowers are Ofa Tuunga Fasi, Cody Taylor, Shannon Frizzell, Richie Moonga, Geordie Barrett, and Will Jordan. Um, the team lineup front row of Tuunga Fasi, Taylor Lomax, Locks, Samuel Whitelock, Tupo Vai. I think that points to Sam Whitelock's probably going to be a bench player. Um, from this moment forward. Uh, Shannon Frizzell at six, which I don't have an issue with, by the way. Shannon Frizzell at six just needs a bit more rugby. Sam Kane, ditto. Luke Jacobson gets another opportunity at eight. Cam Royard with the start in the nine jersey. Richie Moonga, Geordie Barrett, Anton Leonard-Brown, your midfield. Wings of Lester Whaenganoku. I can hear applause around the country. Will Jordan on the other wing, and DMAC gets a start at 15. The bench of Tokiahu, Tamaiti Williams, Fletch and Newell, Scott Barrett, Ethan Blackadder, Finlay Christie, Bowden Barrett and Caleb Clark gets a 23 number on the back of his jersey. So here's Ian Foster's thoughts on selecting this 23. Look, we've selected the team that we think is best for this game. It's obviously a must win for us and, and that's our number one focus. Um, we've... And then where we made a couple of tweaks is, is, is some guys that we felt maybe didn't need a hit out, um, but can still be in really good great shape because of that. So, um, but it, I think you see when you look at the team, there's a lot of continuity in many aspects. Um, we know to bring the likes of Sam and, and Tyrell, Geordie, get their progress coming back. And I know they're really keen in those roles. So, um, um, you know, Sam Whitelock coming back in. So a lot of those changes, are, I think, have got us in a really strong position for this game. Fozzie was asked to comment on the selection of Damien McKenzie at fullback. Well, he's always been a 10-15 for us. So um, it's it's keeping that, that combination between our 10 and 15 going well. Um, really, you know, we were really pleased with Damien last week and we want to growers influence in our team, you think this is a good opportunity for him to do that and and Bodie can be that, that calm head coming off the bench and if, if we end up moving Damien into 10 later on. So um, it's just keep growing the, the combinations that we think are, are working well for us and you know, I think also it, it means that it's another continuity type game for, for Will. You know, he's played the first game, missed the next one and Another couple of games in a row, I think it'll be really positive for him. We hear from Captain Sam Kane now on his return to the starting lineup. 
Yeah, I'm very ready. I'm very excited. Uh, it's been a little bit of a road bump for me personally to start the World Cup, which was, uh, I think I spoke about after the game, how it had been a little bit frustrating, but um, just really excited and, and grateful to be back. Um, looking forward to training this hour, actually, to test things out under a bit of heat, um, a bit of pressure from the boys, and then um, feel a lot more confident um, heading into the game again. So, you yeah, can't wait. And how does the skipper think his side is tracking a month into the tournament? The squad as a whole is, is in good shape physically. Um, I feel like we've made good progress in some key areas of our game following the, the Bordeaux week where we got to put in a lot of work and it was pleasing to see those those shine through in the game against Italy. The challenge for us is to be able to back that up and keep strengthening those key areas um, you know, put out another another good performance, which will sort of could put us in a good spot going forward. So um, all the focus is is on this game and been able to back up what we were able to do last week. Back to Coach Foster now, and the focus on team discipline with the knockout games looming. Look, there's been so many cards, and um, it seems to be the way it is. You know, hopefully that settles down a little bit. Um, but I think you know we're, we're really aware of the, the way the game's been played and, and officiated now, and and we, we know we've got to take responsibility for our technique as much as we can. I, I think we we did that really well against Italy, um, and it's an area that we know has big ramifications if you get it wrong. So, yep, it's a focus. Um, it's not not the focus, but it's high up on the list. And the head coach was asked, "Have you got your first choice twenty three locked in?" I'm just going to say we're pretty clear about what we're doing and um, I guess there's there's always a couple of spots that, that people can put their hand up. There's guys returning from injury we, we um, and so we just need to make sure that, that they get out of the game what, what they need to get out of the game to make sure they're ready. Um, I think, um, but you know, we're, we're pretty clear with the strategy and I think it's, it's also, you've got to remember when you talk about starting 15, it's also about the 23, isn't it? And, um, you know, I thought our 23 as a group last week was really disciplined about how they finished that game and stayed true to the things we wanted to achieve. And so, you know, we are looking with interest about how, how that next, how that bench comes off and how they play. Also, Ian Foster on ensuring the mercurial. Adi Savia has a full tank of gas come quarterfinal time. I thought he was huge on the weekend. Um, he's been big for us all year. I think he, you know, I think he probably had one quiet game, but apart from that, he, he's he's played at a really high level. And and you know, our our experience with Adi or my time with him shows me that that he can he often comes back really well when he's charged up and. Um, and I, for one, and along with many of you, uh, delighted to see Cam Roygaard getting a start. Uh, Ian Foster was asked what they want from him Friday morning. Look, I, I want to see him do what he's good at. Like, he brings an edge to, you know, the running game. He's a threat, and I want him to stick with that. I, I think his left foot kicking is a, is a real asset for us. We haven't got a lot of left footers in our inside backs, and so that's a bonus. Um, so that's a couple of real good, strong positives I want him to carry on. One thing I do want him to do is to improve the accuracy of his pass. And I just think, um, you know, when he's been coming on, he's probably been rushing that aspect of his game a little bit. And so this is a chance for him to settle into this game and get that right. 
and, and show that that can be a, a massive strength for him as well. And finally, back to Captain Sam. How's Ethan Blackadder settled into things ahead of his tournament debut? And Fozzie will make a comment at the end as well. Ethan's a, a joy to have around. I think everyone uh, sort of interacts with Ethan. His, his charisma and personality rubs off, and, and that's the way he plays footy. So he's been awesome to have back in the environment. Uh, he ripped into training last week once the... Um, Trainers let the shackles loose after all his travel, and um, yeah, just I know he'll be excited. We're excited to see him go. Um, he's a great team man, and um, I think everyone knows what he brings. You know, he's he's physical. He, he rips it. He's throws his body around. Um, he's got a big engine, so um, uh, looking forward to seeing him make his World Cup debut. And he is a guy that uh, goes a hundred miles an hour in just about everything he does, and. Like everything, that's a strength and a weakness. And so he's, he's just got to be smart about how he uses his energy. But come back and um, fit it in well, and you know, it would be great to see him come on. It's been a, a sort of a lengthy time away from us. I don't know how long, it's just not, not far away from two years, isn't it, with injuries and, and stuff. And so, you know, it's, it's, he's feeling pretty honoured and privileged to, feel, to come back, and I'm sure he'll show that. And, of course, we have coverage live on SCNZ here. It starts at 7.30, kick off about 8, but that first half hour is uh, very good because Daniel McCarty and Christian Cullen really do know how to preview, call, and then dissect the game as well. So SCNZ live, 7.30, for full coverage of that match against Uruguay. Right, we shall take a break for new sport and weather. Uh, phone lines are open. I want your thoughts on that all-black team, actually. Um, I'm pretty happy with it. Happy that Roygaard's got a start. Happy that Smith's having a rest. Artie's having a rest. Ethan's getting a run. I like it all. I, I'm, I think I'm in full agreement. Pretty damn happy. 0800 150 811. Love to hear your thoughts. Fast car. I wonder if Brad played that because Ethan Blackadder does everything at 100 miles an hour. Our sports people haven't had great record in recent times in the motor vehicles, have they? Israel Arasanya, Roger Tuivasa-Sheikh, and maybe Ethan Blackadder drives a home miles an hour. Doesn't have social media, Staffy. Who? Ethan Blackadder. Doesn't own a phone. Uh, doesn't own a like. Doesn't have it connected to a smartphone. Is not into your Snapchats or your TikToks. Uh, he has the phone to make phone calls and receive phone calls from coaches when they need a player uh, emergency. But doesn't own a single social media uh, site. Does I he? love like, that. Yeah, but I bet he's got a pitchfork and a quad bike and a ute and a swan dry. Yeah, and some hunting dogs and like and yeah yeah absolutely. And he's got like the carcass hanged up in his trophy room, all that sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah, he's probably right. he's probably got a radio alarm clock too. I've said this for a couple of weeks. I would like to see him in the twenty three and Leicester firing Anuku in the twenty three. If there's a way to fit them in, yeah, um, along does. with the team that played on the weekend, then that's that's the twenty three that for me can win the World Cup. Yeah. The other thing you'll have, I just thought, those toasters that fold out at the side. <laughs> he's old school. Yeah. And like table lamps and things like that, and magazine racks. And he, and he he'd make like uh, cheese and marmite toasties yes, for breakfast. Yes, he would. Yeah, and did. not in the microwave. No, and it would be with the Vogel's bread. Yes, right? it yeah. would. <laughs> We've just nailed Ethan Black out his life. Oh yes, full cream milk as well. <laughs> right, uh, let's go to your calls. We got Darren and Aussie. G'day, Darren. Hey, Steffi, How are you? Very good, sir. I agree with you, mate. I reckon he'd have one of those clock radios where the numbers fall down. Yes, yes. <laughs> they yeah. flip, yeah. yes. 
Yeah, yeah, one of those. <laughs> It'd be on an AM station. Yes, yeah. it would. Yes. Yeah. No. Um. About the team, there's only there's only one thing that still bugs me, and it's why isn't Will Jordan at fifteen? But <laughs> so, it's a bit like he, here's. I'm going to help you here, Darren. It's a bit like the stone in your shoe. You either put up with it mm. or you take it out and throw it. Out. He's not going to play fullback, so we just have to live well, with it. Clearly, that. clearly. Yeah, for six months, um, and then he'll be playing fullback. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> straight in, straight yeah. in. Um, other than that, mate, it, it, I'm, I'm really happy with it. Mm. I think I think it's going to be really good. So, um, and Fainuku, oh, he's going to run a muck. Um, and Cam Roy got as well. I think it'd be interesting to see how Cam and Richie go next to each other. I think they'll be really um, something to watch. I do too, because he takes a little bit of um, de- defensive responsibility, Cam Roygaard, that Aaron Smith, not that he's, Aaron Smith's brave, but he's easy to knock over. And he, he will attempt tackles, but he just doesn't have that physical presence of Cam Roygaard. And I think that will help defensively with Richie Moonga. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yep, no, he's good. And uh, and if the team wasn't lacking any motivation, uh, Mr. Whitelock rolling out for his one fifty, mm. they're gonna they're gonna turn on one for him. Oh, that's for sure. What colours the cap? That that was the big talking point last week. The hundred and fifty cap because the hundred is silver, is the hundred and fifty gold, or there's none. Is you have to wait two hundred. Oh, I hope it's black. <laughs> oh, just plain black. Yeah, I don't mind that. Just black. Yeah, just with some nice you know silver writing. Because um, he's not a flashy guy. No, um, he's not. I mean, Sam Whitelock could be another bloke that's got an AM radio with, you know, you know, makes his toasty, builds a fire, and then makes his jaffle with the old, the old jaffle maker with the long, with the with the long bloody. I'm trying to think what it is. How it's got the the long handle on it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we used to call it. them jiffy jiffies when I was a kid, and you put them on the element and flip them over. Yeah, I reckon oh, maybe okay. maybe a, a, a pair of 150 cap. Gum boots. Oh, that'd be good. Mm. Yeah, no, I mean, either way, I hope, I mean, I'm not hope, they will be right up for it. And um, Yeah, good team. And seeing Blackout, when Blackadder comes on, I think all of us in the armchair are going to be, you know, fist pumping the air. And, oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll be, we'll be pretty amped up for that just on its own, as will he. I'd, I'd hate to think how, how much he's hurting these guys at training. Oh, I know. <laughs> you do hear stories <laughs> out of various camps he's with just folding people in training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure they've spoken to him, and he'd be like, "No, <laughs> I'm doing it my way." Yeah, that's it. I have one way. I mean, uh, good on him. It's a great story, and it's nicely. You know, you guys were articulating it beforehand. I was having a good giggle, just you know, in a, you know, just thinking about the old school ways. I mean, I'll be honest with you. It'd be nice. I might, I might do that for a week one day. Just social media free, everything free. No SENZ free. That's of course. No, of but, course. Um, I think it'd be nice to simplify it every now and again. Yeah, a friend of mine has gone phone free. I think Thursday till Sunday from nine o'clock at night because it's such a distraction yeah. at night. And he said he's got his life back. Oh wow! How about that? Okay, just just doing something like that. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I do I do that on the weekends. I put my phone down, maybe with some music playing, and that's it. I don't I don't go near it all day. Mm. I don't look at it. I've got stuff to do and stuff like that. I'm sort of I'm okay with that, but yeah, it it can be a distraction, quite mm. a distraction at times. And and my daughter just I can hear her rolling her eyes at me when I do that because she just can't comp- comprehend what I'm doing. <laughs> so you know, if, if you know what I mean. So, Good man, Darren. Yeah. Good to hear from you today, mate. 
Thanks, mate. Cheers. Bye. Cheers, buddy. Um, so the game's this weekend, 8 o'clock Friday morning, as I say, coverage here on SCNZ, uh, New Zealand, Uruguay. France play Italy. Uh, no, no coverage of that one. No on coverage of that one because it's a hiding. Let's be honest. Dollar one place twelve dollars. Uh, Wales play Georgia. Uh, that's two o'clock in the morning, Sunday. Also Sunday at four forty-five. We do have coverage of England Samoa. Big game. Of, that's a massive game. A lot of interest in that game, and then probably the biggest one of the. It is the biggest one of the weekend with so much on it. Ireland Scotland. 8am, Sunday morning, coverage from 7.30. Do we know who's calling that game, Brad? Uh, Steve Devine is one of the commentators. I think it's probably Sam, um, potentially. Also, talk that England's going to rest all of their first-choice players for the Samoan game. Massive opportunity for Samoa to get a huge scalp at a Rugby World Cup. Oh, that'd be amazing. Uh, Japan-Argentina is at midnight, so that's Sunday night or Monday morning, whichever one you prefer. And then Tonga, Romania, Fiji, Portugal. Big match for Fiji, Monday morning. And we have that Japan-Argentina game. I believe that's Sumo calling that. Um, but we haven't quite locked down the commies for, the, for those games yet. But I know Steve Devine's definitely doing two. Cully and McCarty doing that first game. So, uh, yeah, we'll have a great crew of commentators. Hey, Staffy, you were talking about Cam Roygaard with, um, with Ozzy Darren before. And I was, trying to, I was trying to think, like, who he reminds me of. And I've kind of, I think I've nailed it. He's like, you know, back in, like, the, the Marshy Callagher era where – you combine both of them and we would have had the perfect halfback. Mm. Roy Gard reminds me of a running Justin Marshall with a bit of the Byron Callagher like aggression yeah. in him. And it's almost like he he is the mix between a Callagher and a Justin Marshall. He's got such a calm head for a young man. Yeah, he uh, looks like he's played thirty five test matches. Yeah, and he's that he's a bit bigger. He's quite fast. Um, we're quite proud on Afternoons, actually, because we awarded him the NPC Player of the Year last year in our Gold Awards, and um, we got him on the show. And I'd never spoken to him before. He is so grounded. Mm. And um, I've messaged him a little bit during this World Cup, and he's just like, still need to improve. He's like, so many young guys, they'll make their Super Rugby debut. And he's like, I've just got to, I've just arrived. I've got so much to prove. You make your All Blacks debut. Congratulations that you must be stoked. Yep, but I've got a lot to prove. Um, there's a lot of Nathan Cleary about Cam Roygaard. He's he's born to be what he's becoming. Beav's a, Beav's a big fan, obviously. He's had a lot to do with Cam uh, and is shocked that Roygaard was never picked up by I don't know maybe the Chiefs or mm. or the Blues and ends, ends up at the Hurricanes uh, but he's a stock car driver yeah. as well yeah. uh, and was a high school first 5'8 uh, first 15 player and very very good one by all accounts as well but uh, I think uh, first year of uh, sort of club rugby he was like halfback mate that's that's your position and yeah a uh, lovely guy and, and I think he's got a massive future and McKenzie and Roygaard is a 9-10 combo for Scott Robertson in that first All Blacks team next year. <laughs> it's pretty exciting with uh, maybe, I don't know, Will Jordan at fullback. Actually, that's true. We're going to need a new halfback, first five, fullback, locks. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at Props this point, it's looking maybe. like Scott Barrett and maybe like a Josh Lord or a Tupu Vai. Like, that's the ex- Look, I know we've got a massive fight four weeks ahead of us. The exciting thing for me, staff, is especially when it comes to working in the media and radio next year, is that first all-black squad, squad under a new coach. Oh. Uh, and it's a, it's a completely new – it's the first time since – when is, how long has Fozzie been with the all-blacks for? Like, 12 years. Yeah, so it's the first time in 12 years. It's a completely new mindset. There's there's none of the, the brigade from the Henry Hansen era. That's gone now, and it's going to be this brand-new mindset with different opinions 
opinions on different players, um, and we're going to see some some out of the box selections. Like, look look what Razor's done with the Crusaders and and some of the players he's brought through there that are now superstars. Dallas McLeod, whatever, and have mm. you, and David Havili. So the I interesting can't wait. thing, yeah, rugby was in trouble with public perception. The World Cup's come along at the right time, and everyone's talking rugby again. I think the new front office next year, that also comes at the right time. Whether they make the right decisions or not, or they win games or not, we're back talking about it and the interest will go through the roof again. Um, Good stuff. Right, uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back and we'll have a little look into that Ireland-Scotland game. Collusion with Scotland to ensure both teams go through to the World Cup quarterfinals at the expense of defending champions South Africa. I bet they've talked about it. Not that they'd have a plan to implement it, but they just imagine. All three teams are still in the hunt for a knockout spot. And the Springboks, already completing their full four um, Pool B, aren't they? Pool B matches. And Ireland and Scotland are meeting in Paris. It is the showdown on Sunday. It'll always be remembered as that. If Scotland win by 21 points or more, and the Irish earn a bonus point, then they advance and say... Au revoir, South Africa. Au revoir. So Scotland by 21 points or more, and Irish earn a bonus point. South Africa are gone. So our Springboks coach, as we mentioned yesterday, Jacques Ninabar says that collusion would constitute match fixing. But Kat dismissed the idea out of hand in any case. He said that stuff is just white noise in the background. No, we are not going to be in cahoots with Scotland. Would we want Scotland to beat us by 21 points? Would you want Scotland to beat you by 21 points, he said. And Ireland would be eliminated if they lose by eight points or more and fail to score a bonus point. So bonus points, it's it used to be, it's four tries in Super Rugby, but it's three tries at the World Cup, is that right? Or three tries, within three tries of the opposition? Yeah, you can... Yeah, you can because you can score if you finish within six, uh, seven points, you get a bonus point, and yep. if you score three points, you get two, right? So, uh, yeah, uh, the bonus points are crucial. Mm. You can actually, if you lose, you can actually score two bonus points. Yeah, so, um, being within I, seven I and scoring three tries. I don't think like a twenty points to ten Scotland result is that far off the mark. And if that happens and Ireland, you know, don't score a bonus point, which they wouldn't, then uh, then it's game over for Ireland. Scotland are going to be hell bent on this game, eh? Yeah. But but the problem is they're going to have to be loose, which means defensively they could be loose as well. But it it just makes for a really interesting game. And this is the first of four huge games for Ireland back to back to back, Mm. like four must-win games for Ireland. This is the true test of the number one side on the planet and whether or not they are world champions elect. Mm. And a big test for Johnny Sexton. Uh, Huge test for him. I can't wait for that. There's so many games to look forward to. Um, and we're already talking about quarterfinals. But Fiji, Portugal, even. Um, Portugal haven't been terrible. They haven't been terrible. The must-win aspect for Fiji didn't serve them that well in their last game, where they snuck home. And Portugal, I think they've, they've lost all their games, but only by an average of about 12 points is the average loss. The carrot, the the carrot for Fiji is they only need a bonus point. So so lose and finish within seven, mm. and they're through. Mm. True, true. Um, so many good games. Uh, we'll take our last break before the news. We'll come back after that. Uh, so the Hawks Bay team here fronted media moments ago. Uh, Vice Captain Brad Weber and Brock James to discuss what unfolded 
when the group of men returned to Napier from Wellington last Saturday evening. Well, that was the intention. However, they put two people up that weren't there. Um, of course, Brad Weber said the team was distraught and gutted that it was broken, that they are all hurt, but he wasn't present when the share was damaged. Um, but he trusts his teammates' version of events. Uh, it's understood the share was damaged during a party, which was attended by up to a dozen Hawks Bay representatives and non-squad members at a player's flat. Uh, Neither Brock James or Brad Weber were there, so they really can't comment as to who was there when the question was raised, was who was there. So the question I raise is, well, why are these two people speaking when they can't really share anything? Um, We heard yesterday that New Zealand Rugby are going to launch an investigation. I hope it has been launched. Um, Brad Weber said, as a playing group, they're gutted, they're hurting, accidents happen. And it's been broken, uh, particularly hurt for the community. We want to get it back out there and let them enjoy it. Um, they were asked about. Sorry, I'm. This is fresh, fresh new. We'll probably, uh, hopefully, have some audio for you soon in the next half hour of this, if we can source it. Uh, in addition, of course, to the shield being broken, pictures of what appeared to be a white substance in lines with a rolled note resulting allegations of drugs being consumed off the log of wood, and neither Weber or James said they can't comment on that issue because they weren't there. Um, and they said they are committed to being fully cooperative with New Zealand rugby investigation. And it also came out yesterday, didn't it, that a Hawks Bay player has been charged with drink driving after crashing his car into a fence last Sunday morning. And Coach Brock James says we're not going to comment on that either because it's in the hands of the police. So, um, more to come on that. One how long the investigation will take. Right, we're coming up. Uh, very loud music is the new sport and weather rolling sting. Um, the thing that annoys me about this is the old shield lasted 118 years without getting broken. And this one's lasted months and it's made of harder wood. I think there's more to this. I hope there's not, but I think there is. We're going Bathurst after the news. Wonderful man, Mark Larkin, will be joining the show right after this. Welcome back in. Um, for the people who just joined us from the Rural Roundup Fun. Well, no, it wasn't fun, actually, to start the first hour, marking the very sad passing of, gosh, multiple world champion woodchopper, Jason Wynyard. Very sad day in sport for New Zealand 49 years old has really left a mark on the world particularly of timber sports so um, all of our thoughts with him if you want to listen to the respect we paid to him for the first 15 minutes it'll be available on the podcast service now this weekend it is my appointment viewing every Sunday someday in October the number one motorsport race in my view is Bathurst and part of why I enjoy it so much is there's a man there that educates me every year. His name's Mark Larkham, affectionately known as Larko. I'm going to take umbrage and call you Larko. Welcome into the show. <laughs> Thank you, Steph. Nice to, uh, nice to join you again. Um, how exciting is Bathurst for you? I mean, you've driven in it 10 plus times. You get to cover it. Is it the granddaddy of all supercar races by some stretch? Yeah, it's, it's a funny old thing, isn't it? And it's, it's kind of hard to put your finger on it. You know, it's the, you know, the, I, I guess it's a combination. It's the circuit. Every driver in the world wants to drive that circuit. 
it's the event because it's an endurance event of a thousand kilometres. Every team and driver wants to dominate that. Um, you know, and it's it's our Melbourne Cup. It's our grand final. It's 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 all of the above. So it's I, I think more than anything, Joseph is is this year we're celebrating 60 years or 60 Bathurst events. Mm. And I, I just think because it's so richly steeped in history, you know, the, the Ford versus Holden battles and the Brocks, the Moffats, the Johnsons, all of those great stories and legends have just all added up to uh, there's barely a driver in our field that wouldn't trade a championship to win a Bathurst, you know? Yeah, and, and I do want to talk about the great race, but it's it's an amazing card of support races as well. We've got all sorts of uh, vehicles going around laying rubber down for the for the big big race. Um, did the public really get in behind the support card? Uh, yeah, I think well certainly motor racing enthusiasts do, and you know it's mainly because everyone loves to see young emerging talent, don't they? You know who's going to be our next star, and that's where it all comes from. So. Um, the development series, the Dunlop series, DS2, as we call it, mm. is on up there this weekend. So there's a few of the guys competing in that race that will also be competing in the main race. So that's a good way to get your heart rate up and get the muscle memory going and the focus on. So, uh, and and just on development series and support categories, uh, you guys do it as good as anyone in the world over there in New Zealand because all of the stars that you keep pumping out of there have all come through the junior series over there. I mean, Formula Ford, for example, is just a marvellous series, and you guys do it well over there. The Toyota Racing Series you have over there each year is just, on a world scale, is a fantastic feeder category. So support categories are critical to the sport's uh, viable future. How how hard or how expensive is it to get a seat? Because I'm looking at some of the fields this week. There's a lot of sons and grandsons in motorsport, I see the names <laughs> Moffat, Johnson, Kelly, Perkins, Seaton, uh, Next Generation. Um, they're given a bit of a hand, aren't they? Yeah, they are. But that, uh, you know, the game is tough, and just because you've got a, a a father that made a name for himself in the game doesn't mean it probably predisposes you to uh, an entry into the game, but certainly doesn't predispose you to succeeding in it. Um, so. You know, I, I sort of, with great respect, I, I don't have a, a, a whole lot of attention to that. I'm more, uh, I'm focused on performance. And performance isn't just car speed, it's technical capability, it's your ability to be able to communicate really well to your engineers. Uh, and then, you know, in this modern world of media and, um, you know, your, your profile and all that part of it's very, very important as well. So, um yeah, it's, uh, but, but it's interesting, isn't it? We, In fact, I went and did some interviews with uh, Stephen Johnson and Jet Johnson. So there's three generations, you know, with Richo, Jim Richards, Stephen Richards. Now he's got his son. I mean, there's, it's just quite extraordinary. We've got all these sons of, of legends there now, which is kind of cool. Now, I don't know if you've heard this, but we've just had a news flash that there was going to be this meeting between supercars and teams scheduled for this morning at Mount Panorama ahead of the Bathurst 1000. It's just been cancelled. Um, meeting was set to discuss parity adjustments. Did you know about the meeting and did you know it's been cancelled? I didn't know it's been cancelled. Um, so, I mean, that's the, that's the political side of the sport. So... 
Um, I do my best to avoid that, other than behind closed doors. Um, I just enjoy fronting up and dealing with what I can deal with on the day. Um, you know, it's been a very, it's been a very contentious issue. We can't hide from that. Um, Kamara have had their fair share of winning. They argue that, you know, the Mustangs have shown some performance and they need to do a better job, as they would. Um, look, it's hard. It, it, parity is a really, really hard thing. It has been, you know, I've been around the sport since the 90s and competing or driving or owning a team, whatever, and parity's always been a really, really contentious issue. So it's it's become, it's got a laser-like focus now because the cars now are the same. Whilst they're different in terms of, you know, one's a Camaro, one's a Mustang, of course, but the weights are the same, the widths are the same, the downforces are the same, the drags are the same, the engine and horsepower. So everything's so same, same. We've almost become a victim, victim of our own good work because the commercialisation of the sport demands that both sides have an equal opportunity. So a lot of work has been done to make them the same. But when you make cars the same, you they only need to be a micron different and that can be magnified. Mm. So we have a parity system that monitors car performance in terms of its lap time across all the top competitors on both sides, and it's an ongoing deep analysis. And if it gets triggered, then there can be a parity adjustment. So it got triggered during the course of the year, and the Mustang got some improvements. Um, and subsequent to that, it hasn't yet triggered again. So supercars just can't rock up and say, let's make the Mustang go faster or let's put a bigger wing on it or whatever they might want to do, unless the, the parity system is triggered. And that's the rules of the sport. So, um, you know, it's a, look, it's a, it's a, it's a hot potato. Again, I, 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 I stand back from it. I'm going to remain stand back from it. It's just too political. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Do you think, as a Kiwi, um, my sister started going out with a West Australian. His very first question when I very first met him was, G'day, mate, Ford or Holden? And I said, look, mate, I don't, I, I don't really mind. And he goes, you got to mind. And I said, well, it doesn't bother me. And he goes, come on, you have to choose one. And I said, well, I've owned a Ford Cortina. And he said, you're dead to me because he was Holden. That's is it. How much gloss has that taken off the supercar circuit? The the classic Ford Holden. Oh well, no. I think well, Ford's still there, obviously, with the Mustang. I mean, yes, Commodore and Falcon no longer made in Australia, mm. so that's been really the bread and butter of the sport for a long time. But we've been through plenty of years where we've had other manufacturers. You know, there was the the Group A era, and there were Sierras around, and BMWs, and even the early Volvos, and then later on with Scotty McLaughlin, there was the later Volvos, Mercedes, Nissan, but we always migrate back to this V8 red versus blue. Now, whilst the GM badge is actually blue, so you could argue it's blue versus blue, it still very much is red versus blue, because I would argue that every Holden racing team, red shirt, Holden lion wearing race fan... <laughs> Really, I would expect they're now a GM Camaro family because Holden was always part of the General Motors family. Um, and, you know, a, a Monaro that went up there in, what was it, 68 when Bruce McVie win, won in response to the XR Falcon V8 the year before, the first V8 to go and win Bathurst. Holden respond with a Monaro. 
had a 327 Chevy in it. So there you go. Yeah. Here we are back with a Chevy engine tomorrow. So, and then go back to the early days of Australian touring car racing. So up at Bathurst, they were racing the manufacturer cars, GDHOs and XU1s and Monaros and all that sort of thing. That was the staple of what it was. But at the exact same time in the Australian Touring Car Championship, we were racing Bob Jane had his Camaro, uh, Moffat had his Mustang, so we've been there before. So I think it's really cool. We've gone around in this big 60-year circle and we're back at Ford, Chevy engine, Camaro versus Mustang. So, yeah, I, I think the... You know, it's part of our DNA, part of our culture. So I think the Ford fans are still Ford fans and Holden fans are Camaro fans. I can hear one of our listeners doing a burnout in the car park in his V8 just listening to you, Larko, just with that history lesson. I just, <laughs> I, I loved it. Hey, uh, the Bathurst 1000 is, uh, it's part of the supercars circuit, um, but it's a very, very different circuit with the hills, etc. Do we take, when we're trying to find a winner for this thing, um, do we take, or how much notice do we take that Kostecki's won six, uh, the Giz has won four, Brock Feeney's won five, and Will Brown's won four, and the best of anyone else has won. D- does the winner come from there or not necessarily? You mean during the season? Yeah. Um, no, Bath- Bathurst is a different animal, and I'll give you a good example of that. So uh, Mostert hasn't been in his best form this year, or him in his car. I mean, they, I think they've got a couple of podiums. Um, but I've got them pretty well on my radar as one of the potentials up at Bathurst because that team know what you've got to do to win at Bathurst. Um, it's a completely different set of circumstances, um, you know, in terms of strategy and fuel management and tyre life. Um, you know, there's just so much to it. I could talk about that for an hour, but um, there's just something unique about Bathurst. Now, of course, current form is always a guide. It would be very rare that um, someone who's winning races in the Supercar Championship isn't going to take that form to Bathurst. But the, the quirky thing about Bathurst, which is different to pretty well any other sport, maybe a, I don't know, a swimming relay might be a bit the same, thinking about it. Mm. But your result is hugely dependent on your co-driver. Now, there just ain't a whole bunch of co-drivers there capable of doing the same job. Um, that, and I say that respectfully, but a lot of them are, are young, a lot of them don't do a lot of miles, and a lot of them, like, you know, Garth Tander or a, a Craig Lowndes or, a, um, you know, Lee Holdsworth, some of these guys, they're fresh out of their supercar full-time seat, so they're the guys you want in your team. So all of a sudden, that changes the dynamic of your team at Bathurst. So take Brock Feeney. I mean, who could you possibly want better in the car than Jamie Winkup? Yeah. And, and, and what that does, that massively opens up their strategy options. You know, they don't have to go through this rigmarole of, oh, we need to get the co-driver laps, because co-driver's got to do a minimum of 54 laps. Let's get him done early and out of the car so he's not in the car late in the race, you know, and slowing things up. Well, when you've got a Jamie Winkup, you don't have to think like that at all. You just let it roll out, take the safety cars when you need them. How much of the supercar fans, we know they miss McLaughlin, but now the Giz, two, two of the best out of New Zealand, is, is heading away as well. Is that, a, is that a concern for the local fans? Well, gee whiz, <laughs> after Scotty and the Giz, maybe a couple of Aussies can have a crack at winning. <laughs> um, 
no, I do. I, I take my hat off to you, and you know, seriously, we're really looking forward to getting back over there next year because the New Zealand. I've said this a hundred times. Your motorsport scene over there is just stellar. You have represented on the world stage completely disproportional to your population like you do in many sports uh, and I don't just mean from a driving point of view I mean there's been so many great Kiwi mechanics and engineers and drivers going right back to the start in the late 50s and 60s it's just phenomenal and I keep saying um, in fact I was talking to Jimmy Stone Jimmy and Ross Stone two of my favorite Kiwis they're close friends of mine um, you know Taupo, Wigra, Manfield, all those tracks out over there that are gnarly and wet and fast and bumpy and dangerous. You know, for a driver to drive those tracks when he's learning and for an engineer to have to sort the car out when he's learning and for a mechanic to have to nut and bolt the car to stay together in those circumstances, I just think that prepares you people so well for the world stage and, you know, I rest my case. Well, Mark Larkham, it's, it's a massive uh, ring on a lot of people's calendar, a circle around the date, <clears throat> the Bathurst 1000, and I really appreciate you chatting to uh, sports fans and motorsport fans on right through New Zealand today. But more particularly, I, I just personally wanted to thank you for just enhancing my viewing product. I've said for a long, long time, I think, Bathurst 1000, production values are right up there. You've got the right people in the right positions that take me trackside, take me into the pits, take me into the co-driver seat. I absolutely love what you do, Larko, and you're a big, big part of that. So really appreciate everything you do for the sport. Hey, I'm flattered you're saying that. Look, I'm lucky I've got the best job in the world. You know, I got to do it, but now I get to talk about it. So I am, I'm lucky. But look, for those of the fans that are, uh, that are interested, like we all are in the history of Bathurst, it's 60, as I said, it's the 60th time it's run this year. I've worked pretty hard the last couple of months on a little piece that'll go to air, I don't know, I'm guessing probably half an hour or three quarters of an hour before the start of the race. Don't miss it if you love the history. It's it's pretty cool. You, you, I, I think fans that love our sport will enjoy it. Oh, I already know I'm going to enjoy it. Larko, uh, appreciate your time. Um, have a fantastic weekend. It's going to be a ripper. Thanks, Seth. My, breath, my pleasure. There he is. Um, just... Just such a massive contributor to my interest in motorsport and Bathurst in general. Mark Larkham. Mark Larkham. Wonderful. We're going to take a break straight after that. We've got the Kiwis team has just been announced uh, to take on Samoa and the Kangaroos. Got those squads as well. But the Kiwi squad after the break. Righto, we've got the Kiwis team has just been named and it is as follows. Nelson, it's alphabetical order. Nelson Asafasola Mona from the Storm. Dylan Brown, the Eels. Uh, Manu Brown from the Knights. James Fisher-Harris, Panthers. Kieran Foran, Titans. Wiramu Greg from the Eels. Jerome Hughes, Storm. Jermaine Asako, Dolphins. Kino Kinney from the Titans. Moses Leota, Panthers. Danny Levi, Raiders. Joey Manu from the Roosters. Ronaldo Mulitalo from the Sharks. Griffin Neem from the Cowboys. Chance Nicol Klukstar, from the Warriors, uh, Britton Nakora from the Sharks, Isaiah Papali'i, former Warrior, current West, uh, Joe Tarpany from the Raiders, Leo Thompson Knights, Matthew Timoko from the Raiders, and No Fahu White from the Roosters. My initial reaction is there are five players from the top four teams that played semi finals and final being. Um, 
Two from the Storm, Solomona, uh, Sofa Solomona and Jerome Hughes. One Warrior. Incredible, really, that there's one Warrior after the season they've had for the Kiwis team. Uh, and two Panthers, James Fisher-Harris and Moses Leota. Uh, fantastic um, punch at the front, isn't it, with those two starting and Nelson coming off the bench. Um, but only five from the top four teams, Brad. That's mm, no um, Morata Niakora or Jordan Rick, Ricky, probably two of the form back rowers, uh, second rowers in the comp. No Brandon Smith. Mm. Uh, and uh, yeah, and obviously Greg Maju has declared and is playing for Samoa, and uh, Dallin Wattini and Zilisniak were playing for Tonga. They're touring Great Britain. So a few players that would be in and were in that World Cup squad um, have pulled out for various reasons. No Sean Johnson as well, and Jeremy Marshall King injured. Um, I'm just reading a story, Steph. Doesn't look like there's been a captain named. Um, true. Who will be? It's going to be foreign, maybe Jerome Hughes, maybe. Yeah, or Joseph Tarpane. Or Joey Tarpane. Yeah. Mm. I mean, the good thing about only having five players from rested. the top four teams is the others are rested, and for some of our ageing well, players that are in high contact areas and older players like Kieran Foran has had time to to regather but um... and some of those players are very very good um, Timoko from the Raiders has been one of the form centres of the comp staff Nakora um, has been very good uh, we know what Isaiah Papali'i can do um, Joey Manu of course probably one of the top three players on the planet so some of those players are very very good but it's, it's more so the players that are missing, if anything, and, and um, Madge, Michael Maguire, on the run home this afternoon, we'll probably have a little bit more information on the likes of Morata near quarter, Jordan Ricky, who was phenomenal in that grand final, I thought he was one of the best players on the park. Caelan Ponga. I mean, he was, I mean, he's technically Australian, right? Mm. But uh, yeah, he is available to be picked by the Kiwis, much like Dallin decided to go and play for Tonga. Mm. Yeah. What do you what do you think about the you can play for Tonga this year, you can play for New Zealand next year in league, which is very, very different to rugby union? Well, given the state of the international game, I like it. Um, what I would like to see, Staff, is you declare for your cycle. Yeah, I right? do too, yeah. So, um, you know, it's fine. Dallin played the World Cup for New Zealand and then decides this year I'm going to play for Tonga moving forward. Roger Tuovasashek comes in to Rugby League next season and says, um, for this Rugby League World Cup cycle, I am going to be playing for Tosa uh, more. So I would like to see you declare pre um, you know, four years out from mm. the tournament, just to give you some, you know, a chance for a coach to build a team with you and around you and what have you. So I've just given you the, um, yeah, where's Warbrick? There's a, there's a great text just come in. Where's William Warbrick? He yeah, that's fantastic. another one. Um, he, quickly, here's the Toa Samoa squad, uh, squad. I've just given you the Kiwis squad. Uh, Samoa, Jesse Arthurs, uh, Dejon Arce, Gordon Chan Kum Tong from Manly, uh, Stephen Crichton, uh, <laughs> Sualavi Faalongo from the Storm, Royce Hunt, Luciana Leilua, uh, Connolly Lemuelu, Spencer Lenu, Helu Luki, Greg Maju, Justin Matamua, Terrell May, Carl Oloapu, Keenan Palacia, Junior Bolo, Isaac Tango, Murray Tuilangi, Young Tonumaipia, Brian To'o, and Stefano Utukuamanu. So they've got top four teams. They've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 
Nine. Luai ruled out through a shoulder injury as yeah, well. Yeah, looked pretty bad. Yeah, so there's the Samoan That's a hell of a back line. And, and there's, a, there's some nice forwards in that. Tongan team's going to be very good too. Adam Fanua Blake is going to hit that. They'll have uh, Jason Tomalolo as well. Uh, the Tongan side's going to be very, very good too with some informed players. Um, that is the exciting thing about all this for me, Staff, is we now have uh, Great Britain slash England, Australia, uh, Fiji had a very good World Cup, um, Samoa, New Zealand, Tonga, we actually have a sort of group of five or six teams. Um, yes, Australia is the best team in the world, but on their day, as we saw during the World Cup, Australia can be get, got to. The Kiwis came within an absolute whisker mm. of winning that semi-final and probably winning the tournament. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's the best thing is that a few years ago, staff, it was two teams. And, yeah, and now we've got five or six. Well, a few years ago it was one team, and then it became one and, one and then a half. sort of us. <laughs> and then England sort of came along and it was, it was like, 60% sure it was going to be Aussie, about 30% sure it was going to be us and 10% Aussie. It's really spread now. Hmm. It really has spread. I agree. I think it's good for the international game. Um, so Michael Maguire, fingers crossed, will be – or he's confirmed he's on the run home? Yeah, he will be on the run home He'll today. He'll be on the run home today. So listen out for that. We'll take our break for News and Sport. you got the measure of your man and you know that you can go all the way. Give it to him. Yeah, give him a taste. Jeez, you took me back. Holden Kingswoods, Lion Red, Towling Hats. Oh, magnificent. Uh, looking forward to the International Rugby League season. Um, if NFL's your cup of tea, don't forget you can catch every NFL game this season with Game Pass, only on DAZN. To get that, you go to nfldazone.com. Now, DAZN is D-A-Z-N. NFLDAZN.com forward slash NFL and if you play NFL on your community field don't forget to enter into the Field of Dreams comp if your Field of Dreams needs an upgrade you can win a complete sports field renovation PGG rights and turf are the great crew behind that head to the win page on SENZ website or app to enter do it but now it's time for this Oh, you know I love I've gone onto the Bailey's website and I've entered the code 1050791. Bailey's, 105-0791. Now this one is in the far north. It's 255 O'Carroll Road, Whangarei Surrounds is the official address. It sounds exotic. Today's Bailey's Property of the Week, it's a 76-hectare property in two titles, and it's well-located 24Ks from central Whangarei and only 3.5Ks from the popular Karamia village. It comprises 22 hectares of mature pines. you sorted for Christmas. Uh, it's on steeper country. They're not registered in the ETS. What does that stand for? Um, emissions Trading Scheme. I reckon that's probably what it was. I don't know. 18 hectares were planted in 1997. So what does that mean? Maturity. And there's a further two hectares in 1998 and two hectares in 99. Sorted. It's brought to market by Tracy Dalzell. 
from Bailey's Whangarei. The property has a central track that leads down through the valley, across a stony bottom stream, close your eyes, I'll take you there, and up to the north-facing hills, which provide stunning rural views. It's currently running 60 to 80 rising two-year-olds. The property is fenced into nine paddocks and three holding paddocks around a large set of cattle yards. Internal fencing is two wire electrics and the boundary seven wire post and batten. Love me some post and batten. It's there. The back boundary features native trees, including kahikatea, rimu and kauri. Of course there's kauri in the far north. And the property, with its shelter lots and natural water, has attracted hunters, horse riders, campers over the years, providing enjoyment for many. Bit of paper down, website up to the photos we go. Have Bailey's got their drone out? They have. It's a long way up. There's the little ring road they talked about. There's the fencing. There's the kaikatea. There's the kauri. And it's green. Oh, there's a waterfall. There's a waterfall. You're buying a waterfall. Uh, tanks, sheds, fencing, stockyards. There's no house on this one, so I can't froth the kitchen. You know how I love me a, a rural kitchen. This is all news to Brad. This is all news to him. Oh, now, I'm going to have to get in touch with Bailey's because photo 14 of 19 is so far up, I question if it's a drone. Have they gone the full hog and hired a plane to take that photo? It's vast. Jeez, it looks good. And there's room for Sammy Hewitt's golf course on there as well. There's the cows. They're all looking up at the drone. Have a look at photo 80. They're all looking up at the drone going, what the hell is that? Drones in the far north. And then the final photo shows you the boundary line. It is magnificent. So do yourself a favour. Contact uh, Tracy Dalziel. I'll click on her profile. Uh, she operates at 84 Walton Street, Whangarei, which is in Whangarei Central. Locals, you know where that is. Um, let's find a little bit about her. She lives herself on a lifestyle rock in Whangarei, largely involved in the equestrian activities where she's a member of the Northland Hunt and a keen show jumper. See, great Northlander, Tracy Dalzell. Give her a call. Contact Bailey's in Whangarei Central and even go onto the Bailey's website and have a look at this. What's the property number again, Steph? I'll tell you what it is, listeners. 105 105-0791. That's in the little search bar on the Bailey's website. That is this week's Bailey's Property of the Week. Ladies and gentlemen, I've, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? Well, to tell us, it's roving reporter Bradley Lewis. Thank what have you, you found? Well, from the Hollywood News Desk staff, uh, Tom Hanks says he has nothing to do with an artificial intelligence version of himself that is promoting, and I quote, some dental plan, he's wrote on Instagram. Alongside his warning, Hanks, Hollywood superstar, shared a photo of an apparent AI likeness uh, of his younger self, though it's unclear whether this came from the dental plan ad. Beware, writes Tom. The Oscar-winning role, the Oscar-winning actor wrote on his verified Instagram account, there's a video out there promoting some dental plan with an AI version of me, and I have nothing to do with it. Uh, using AI to create virtual actors has become one of Hollywood's hottest topics of late, as it's been one of the issues driving the ongoing actor strike. Uh, and I know that Israel Asanya's got an issue with that too, because there is a website promoting an AI version of himself that can give you greetings on your phone. Oh my God. 
Yeah. I saw one that Hillary Berry gets scammed a lot in those um, diet supplement type things, and they get a photo of her, they blow it up so she looks enormous, and then take a photo of how she actually is, and she attributes it to weight loss wine gums or something like that. It's AI is going to make it so much more believable, though. Yeah, because like the AI that I watched today um, for the story of like Israel Adesanya and uh, Kim Kardashian, it's like they're literally talking to you. Mm. It's insane. It's insane. We talked about a robot yesterday, didn't we? Yes, well, we did. You know, modern technology. Modern technology. Uh, to our entertainment slash American football files, we go to now, and fans have slated U.S. pop sensation Taylor Swift for continually interrupting TV coverage of live games amid her new romance with star player Travis Kelsey. During the New York Jets versus Kansas City Chiefs game on uh, Monday US time, uh, broadcaster NBC kept cutting to shots of the Shake It Off singer as part of their coverage a total of 17 times. Swift, whose rumoured relationship with Chiefs player Kelsey has been the source of much speculation, was seen watching the game along with fellow celebs and her good pal Sophie Turner fresh off her divorce, Hugh Jackman, Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds at MetLife Stadium which by the way is a fantastic place uh, to go and watch sport but fans have reacted angrily to the uh, continual cutaways saying online that they were frustrated by the way the broadcaster focused heavily on the star's presence. We cross live now to Twitter slash X for the reaction. These Taylor Swift cutaways during Chiefs games have got to go. Stop showing Taylor Swift on my TV. Please don't play a Taylor Swift on your TV drinking game, you'll be hospitalized. Seriously, if I wanted to see this much Taylor Swift I'd hang out in my sister's room for three hours. More football, less Tay-Tay. <laughs> Those are actual tweets that I uh, converted, but that's, that's some good stuff. And it's not Taylor Swift's fault. No, it's the TV station. It's, it's the, the director. Ta- yeah, Taylor's done nothing wrong. But yeah, the director's obviously like buying in uh, to all this Tay-Tay's chat. All right, the audio recordings of a discussion between the match officials around Liverpool winger Luis Diaz disallowed goal against Spurs has been made public. Liverpool asked referees, bo- the referee's body for the audio after the controversy in the first half of their 2-1 defeat on the weekend. Video assistant referee Darren England, who you'll hear as Daz a little bit later on, uh, did not overrule when Liverpool's uh, Diaz was wrongly flagged offside. After releasing the audio on Tuesday, uh, PGMOL, who is that body I was talking about, said the error was a result of a lapse of concentration and a loss a loss of focus. So uh, here is some audio staff. You're going to hear from the VAR operator, who's not an official, but he's the operator, so he's like the you know the, the video ref operator type of person, the actual VAR official, the, the touch judge on the sideline, and the referee. You're going to hear all of that audio uh, shortly. Just checking the offside, Dilla Dilla. 2D line on the boot. Yep, okay. So 2D line on the boot. And stop. Check in. complete, check complete. It's fine. Perfect. Yep. Yeah. Off. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Process, the on-field decision on. was offside. Are you, are you happy with this? Yeah. Are you happy with this? Offside decision. Go. Yeah. That's, no, that's what see. it does. What? On-field decision no. was offside. Are you happy with this image? Yeah, yeah, it's onside. The image we gave you is onside. He's played, he's gone offside. Ollie's calling in to say delay the game. Can't do anything. Ollie's saying to delay. Ollie's saying to delay. Ollie? Yeah. yeah delay on. the game. To delay the game. Stop the yeah, game. They've restarted Nothing the game. The yeah, they've restarted. Yeah. Can't do anything. I can't do anything. Stay I can't back. do anything. So basically, wow. um, the video referee, um, uh, not the guy that was that you heard mostly that was saying delay the game, delay the game, but the video referee who was that voice that was swearing, he thought the goal was ruled a goal. But on field, it was ruled offside. 
So when he saw the foot the footage which showed Diaz clearly onside, he said, "Sweet, we're good. It's a goal." Well, didn't say it's a goal, but good, right decision. And the referee hears that and goes, "Cool, I ruled offside. Play on." Oh no! And once that <laughs> play on starts, you cannot restart the game under the the rules of VAR. Uh, this is a monumental uh, screw up by the officials and cost Liverpool potentially three points. Um, and they will be contending for the Premier League. Uh, and you can only imagine. I know that what is it? Felipe Massa suing Formula One right now for that championship. Uh, you, you can only imagine if Liverpool miss out in the Premier League title, the EPL is in trouble. Massive that trouble. Is what's making news, Steph? That's stunning. Stunning work from you. Um, I just found a story. Um, will it load? It won't load. Um, never mind. Oh, here it is. Found it. Hotel prices in France. Um, Three-star hotel. Travelers, uh, people going to the 2024 Olympics. So this is a year out from the Olympics. A three-star hotel, uh, $1,160 New Zealand a night. Um, Four-star hotel, $1,600 per night. The city expects more than 11 million visitors during the Olympics. 3.3 3.3 million of whom are travelling from outside the Greater Paris region. There are 280,000 rooms available per day. Wow. Um, five-star hotels are seeing relatively smaller price spikes in their typically affordable neighbours with rates of just $2,700 a night, New Zealand dollars. <laughs> just. <laughs> My gosh. Anyway, that's, that's eye-watering. Yeah, only Beef could afford that, really. Yeah, he'll be there. Yeah. Yeah, he'll go. Right, we shall have our last break before the news. And don't forget, running at straights coming to you from two to three in the run home after that three to six. And Michael Maguire, the coach of the just-announced Kiwi team. But after this break, we'll have a look back in the day. Here's what happened back in the day. And it is the 4th of October. And on this day in 1998, cricket great... From Australia. And a member of the SENZ wider team, Ian Healy broke the world record for the number of test dismissals as a wicketkeeper when he hit 356, overtaking countryman Rod Marsh. 356. The record is now 555. Held by Mark Boucher of South Africa. They needed, they needed 14 and a half points and Europe have beaten the United States by 14 and a half to 13 and a half. That was 2010, Team Europe regaining the Ryder Cup in thrilling fashion in the last singles match with Graham McDowell topping Hunter Mahan, 3-1 in Wales. Uh, birthdays today, Irish boxer Mickey Ward, uh, Australian cricketer Adam Vogue. Was he Vogues or Vogus? He was Vogus. I always think of Vogel's bread when I see his name, but it's Vogus bread. Uh, 1988, born in this day, NBA point guard Derek Rose. Also birthdays to a couple of media people in New Zealand, Mark Hinton. Uh, great man Trevor McEwen who was on the show uh, Pieces of Silver got another episode to listen to tonight go and have a listen and sadly deaths on this day 1992 New Zealand motorsport legend and 1967 Formula 1 champ Denny Holm while at the wheel of his car at the famed Bathurst circuit and I was watching when that happened it was very very sad Uh, 2021 the sad passing of the designer of Black Magic and Team New Zealand's 2000 boat, Laurie Davidson. Number one movie in 99 was one of the great movies of all time, Fight Club. 
And this is the number one song, Mariah and Jay-Z. Enjoyed your company today. Tinge of sadness, isn't it, with the passing of the great Jason Wynyard. Uh, good to have your company, everybody. Big thank you to Brad for stepping in and helping us out while Sam's been rugby commentating, rugby league assistant, content manager and host of Running It Straight. And that is next.